0: Today's sermon, I'll be teaching out of Romans chapter one, verses. I'll, it's mostly going to be sixteen through thirty-two. I'll be reading from Romans one fourteen through thirty-two, but it'll be mostly eighteen through thirty-two. This sermon is sort of a journey. I came across a sermon about uh, nine months to a year ago where the man was teaching on uh, Isaiah chapter 5 and 6 on the history behind Isaiah chapter 6, which was Isaiah seeing the uh, glory of the Lord in the temple and almost blowing him apart what he was saying that it's actually Isaiah chapter 5 was the history in that Israel was falling into sin and then King Uzziah died and after that in Isaiah chapter 7 Isaiah receives his commission to speak to a people that won't, to speak judgment and repentance to a people that won't listen and that really got me thinking, and I well I've heard some people teach on Romans chapters one um, eighteen through thirty-two. During it I'll be speaking in broad terms, but there are people who've taught on this section, have had up to twelve sermons on this subject going line by line, teaching on what is the gospel, the good news, what is the wrath of God. What does it mean? This sermon is called God Gave Them Over because that's a phrase that God has repeated through Paul three times. And I decided to speak on this because I believe this set of scriptures talks about where not just where the world is but where the United States is. In this scripture, like you might as well be describing the United States in with all the craziness and insanity that is going on out there, and the, you know, the strange decisions. So starting in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel, the good news to you, Also, who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, I'm sort of reading an adapted version of New, (laughs) New American Standard, to the Jewish people first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. And though I won't be talking about it a lot, we need to remember that that paragraph where he says, I'm not ashamed of the good news, is the key to the rest, because it talks about what our role is in these end times. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over. There's the first one, gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever, amen. For this reason, God gave them over, number two, to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also, the men abandoned the natural function of the women and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over, number three, to a depraved mind to do those things, some translation talks about a reprobate mind, I'll define that. To do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. I'll start at verse 18. I want to reread verses 18 through 22. For the wrath of God, and even though you don't hear it a lot, the wrath of God up till the the end of the 19th century, was actually a very common topic in pulpits. One pastor said he took a book out of his library of a hymnal from the 19th century, and there were plenty of scriptures about the wrath of God because it's part of his nature. We talk about his character and nature, his omnipotence and omniscience, but wrath is part of his nature. We'll talk about that a little bit. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. A couple other scriptures. Psalm 19.1 says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hand. And in Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. These verses, all of them, Deal with the fact that the Lord actually displaying his righteous wrath against all unrighteousness and godliness. I want to define wrath. Is it's from a site called Got Questions. Wrath is defined as the emotional response to perceived wrong and injustice, often translated as anger, indignation, vexation, or irritation. Both humans and God express wrath, but there is a difference between the wrath of God and the wrath of man. God's wrath is holy and always justified. Man's is never holy and rarely justified. Hence all the warnings about the wrath being careful, about man being angry. In the Old Testament, the wrath of God is a divine response to human sin and disobedience. Idolatry was most often the occasion for divine wrath. Psalm 78, verses 56 through 66, describes Israel's idolatry. The wrath of God is consistently directed toward those who do not follow his will. The Old Testament prophets often wrote of a day in the future, the day of wrath. God's wrath against sin and disobedience is perfectly justified because his plan for mankind is holy and perfect, just as God himself is holy and perfect. But thank God for his mercy. God provided a way to gain favor, um, repentance, which turns God's wrath away from the sinner. To reject that perfect plan is to reject God's love, mercy, grace, and favor, and incur his righteous wrath. I would qualify this quote from God questions by saying God has provided repentance and the blood atonement of Yeshua. Now, in the scripture in uh, Romans 1, it talks about that which is known about God is evident within him, for God made it evident to them. There's what's called general revelation where, where I said the heavens declare the glory of God And we talked about evolution versus creationism, how you can't possibly look at everything and think it evolved. It just cannot happen. And so God created the world to display his glory and his power, but you can't get saved that way. That's why they call it general revelation. You can look at the world and the heavens and see the glory of God But to actually get saved, you need the power of the Holy Spirit, the word, the preaching of the good news, and that's called special revelation. However, upon the creation of the world, God used the universe, the world, and the complexity of our planet to reveal some basic facts about himself that should be seen. In fact, according to scripture, that revelation is within each person. Yet, because of our sin nature, we suppress and bury the truth of God in multiple ways, thereby earning his wrath and judgment. When we stand before the Lord, we will have no excuse, as Paul said, not even those who are atheists. Because of our sin nature, we as a person in a planet full of sinners spend a great deal of time suppressing the truth. Some possible examples include the basic denial of the existence of God, atheism. It's a form of stuffing it. Or, I didn't know if God actually exists. I and mean, you stand before God, oh, I didn't know you exist. Agnostic. What about the brilliant people out there that spend their time pursuing things to keep them from thinking about God? Just endless busyness. They don't have time to spend with God, which you know is one of the purposes of Shabbat. Or give him the glory. They are so caught up in pursuits that at their heart, their foundation, they deny the existence of God. In any case, the Bible is clear. The world and the universe were created to testify to God's power and glory. Yet, as I said, we are a sinful people who bury it and pretend he doesn't exist, resulting in judgment by God in this life and in the judgment to come. According to the Bible, there is no excuse. There won't be. The result is a planet full of people who suppress the truth, willing willfully disobey the Lord and his word and his judgments. Instead, they replace his word with man-made rules and regulations, further suppressing and burying the truth. After a while, because of the constant assault on the truth, the constant suppression of the truth. In our lives, we become hard-hearted, resulting in an increasing inability to respond to the calling of God to repent. Hence, Isaiah's call, told by God, that they'll be preaching, but they'll never hear. You'll speak, and they'll never listen. You know, they'll never listen. That's how bad it had gotten. Instead of displaying the wisdom of God, this is where we see this all the time now. Instead of displaying the wisdom of God in their lives, they become fools almost an insanity, doing and displaying crazy and bizarre behaviors and beliefs. Instead of doing the logical thing, which is to worship the Lord, they exchange that worship for the illogic of worshiping inanimate objects, animals, ghosts. Uh, They worship the supernatural, or work, or beliefs, or ideas, the earth, climate, politics, on and on. None of which... Created them, none of them capable of saving them not, or giving them eternal life. In fact, their lives become one of endless frustration and foolish decisions. They think they're wise, but the Bible says they're actually foolish. As Rabbi Frank said last week in his sermon, how many of us know people who are brilliant, IQ wise, but have no common sense? The Scriptures reiterate that fact. When in Romans it says, "Professing to be wise, they became fools." So in verse 24 it says, "Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie worship and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever." Amen. The result is what we are experiencing now, and many nations have gone, and societies have gone through this over the millennia. People sin, and then God, with because they don't repent despite the preaching, or they just sin, God gives them over to their lusts and sins. In essence, what the Lord does is he turns them fully over to their sins and all the consequences that come with it. The Lord is the just judge and the king of the universe. He dispenses gifts and judgments. The more we sin, the more the consequences and the more the consequences multiply. We see that in our world and our country. More and more people are blatantly disobeying God and his word the result is our current upheavals and chaos we are currently experiencing. So what ends up happening is I was listening to a teaching on the judgment of Adam and Eve in the garden, and what happens is it says, God says, in your disobedience, in your multi-, I guess in, the original Hebrew, in your multiplying, I will multiply your sorrows And what God does is, you, know, you don't realize what you just did. You, you sinned. And that's going to create hardship and chaos. And as the judge, I'm going to multiply those judgments. So we sort of get a world full of people that are willfully disobeying God and bringing judgment on themselves. And God is like turning them over to their sins. And then the consequences start multiplying all over the place. We see that in diseases and earthquakes and droughts. It's just sort of piling up. That's God giving people over to the lusts of their hearts, giving them over to their sins, which is what we're in right now. More and more people are blatantly disobeying God. The result is the current upheavals and chaos we are currently experiencing. God usually does it to his children as a form of discipline. To those who don't know him, it's a manifestation of his wrath, the object being to get them to repentance. And an example of this is something Paul told Saul told Timothy in first Timothy one verses eighteen through twenty. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymeneus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. So here's Paul, Saul's example of this principle of giving them over is he gives them, these two, over to Satan to suffer the consequences of their sin, not just disfellowship, but the things that come with it to hopefully teach them to repent and not blaspheme. Another example was something I heard recently that kind of blew me away, and that's the example of King Saul in the Bible. Israel desperately wanted a king like all the nations, which is a direct slap in the face not just to Samuel but to God. It's rejecting God. The Bible includes the fact there will be a king, but it's going to come from the line of Judah. But he gives them a king as they asked for from the tribe of Benjamin, and everything went wrong. So, as this person would talk, he says, Beware lest God give you exactly what you want instead of what he thinks you should have or not have. It may be a sign of judgment. <laughs> you know, be careful what you ask for. I'm not saying you shouldn't ask, just pray about it. God gives us over to our sins. He lets us dishonor ourselves before men and God. Because of the suppression of truth of God and of God's existence, we instead exchange it for lies. We worship people and things and creatures and inanimate objects and planets and on and on. It's, as I will say later, craziness. It's almost a mental insanity that we are seeing now. Verse 26, it says, For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. An example of this, sort of, would be something somebody put up on Facebook that just blew me away. I won't. Uh, man, who I would call a transvestite, now they call him transsexual, man dressed up as a woman and is pastoring a church. And he preached from the Bible and completely changed the scripture around because his life was a contradiction of what he's reading. But I'm like, that's an example of God turning. It's gotten so bad that it just doesn't phase some people anymore. So that's God turning people over to their sins and the consequences. On a society level, God giving them over to lust their heart means a moral freefall, what we are currently dealing with. People are now acting out their sins and sinful beliefs. The result is an increase of sexual rebellion, which we have seen actually for the last 60 years. Men wanting men instead of women, and also women wanting women instead of men. Also a decrease in marriage and covenant marriage. But not just a sexual revolution, we've seen an increase in disease despite all the medical advances. Many men and women are choosing to be with the same sex. They think they are living out their God-given destiny, and they say that. Yet according to the scriptures, what they are experiencing is judgment, and they need our prayers, and we'll talk about how we can deal with that. God giving them over to act out the fullness of our sins, receiving the increase of judgment and the wrath of God in the process, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy unloving merciful and although they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such thing are worthy of death They not only do the same But they also give hearty approval to those who practice them Now let's talk them over where it says give them over to a depraved or reprobate mind one person looked at this, a famous pastor, and says basically, he basically said he turned them over to a mind of insanity. I mean, you can't, when you look at it in the original Greek or Latin, it doesn't really mean that, but in essence, what it is, you you look at what people, the decisions people are making, where they're allowing children to be mutilated, because, I mean, 60 years ago, after World War II, almost 60 years ago, this was, like, considered an anathema. You know, the Nazis did this, and now it's, like, considered science. Yeah, follow the science. So in this study Bible, it says reprobate. It's an adjective. means, in the Latin, it means to disallow or to prove. In other words, to test and to disallow. Not enduring proof or trial. Not of standard purity or fineness. Disallowed, rejected. It's sort of like what they do metal. So God, like, tests people's minds and says, nope. Reprobate. Men shall call them because the Lord hath rejected them. That's in Jeremiah. Abandoned in sin, lost of virtue or grace. They profess they know God, but in works deny him, being abominable and disobedient into every good work. Abandoned to error or an apostasy. A reprobate as a noun, is a person abandoned to sin, one lost to virtue and religion. I acknowledge, this is a quote, I guess, uh, I acknowledge myself, a reprobate, a villain, a traitor to the king, to disapprove with detestation and marks of extreme dislike, to disallow. So in other words, I guess there is a kind of insanity. God is like, doesn't approve, he's... Is just like there, you look at what's going on out there and think that these people are insane. As society, and that's that's an example that we're in a moral freefall. That our country is under judgment. And that's why Yeshua came. That's why he preached the good news, which I'll talk about because that's the answer to the problem. As society continues to deteriorate. As the Lord's hands continue to withdraw from our nation, our world, people think they evolve, but they're actually devolving. Um, one, We're becoming pagan. One person considers us um, pre-Christian paganism. In other words, we're becoming, I don't agree with it, we're becoming like a society that existed before the Bible. People had the Bible, but I, I think it's more like post post-biblical paganism. Nations do not get generally get better. They get worse because the Lord has turned them over in the hardness of their heart due to their suppression of the truth and their refusal to repent. I've seen people on Facebook preach the blunt on truth and you just see an endless series of laughing signals, just hundreds of them. One person probably had a block like 10,000 people off her page. Even when God is staring at them in the face, so to speak, excuse me, they get worse because the Lord has turned them over in the hardness of their heart due to their suppression of the truth and their refusal to repent, even when God is staring at them in their face, so to speak. God is giving them over to a depraved mind, a mind that in the Greek is rejected by God and rejecting God. An increase in bizarre and crazy, and increase, we're seeing an increase in bizarre and crazy decisions. Look at our society now with males thinking they're women and women thinking they're men. People believing there are dozens if not hundreds of possible genders out there. As one who read science fiction books, it sounds like a really bad science fiction book. Doctors and surgeons believing it's okay to butcher children on the surgery table to change their gender. Eighty years ago, scientists from the Nazis were considered criminal for that type of behavior, now it's considered normal. So insanity rules the day, and they run the asylum. So in closing, we need to... Remember Paul saying he's not ashamed of the gospel. And that's the answer to our where we're at. How we as followers and disciples of Yeshua, Jesus, to not only exist and flourish in this broken world, but we are. But how to be an effective witness for the Lord in this lost world? The answer, I think, is in verses 15, 16, and 17 the good news of Yeshua, preaching it and living it, living the life in their, in this world as saved people, saved from God's wrath, that is we will not be eternally separated from him but will be with him forever. Also telling people that the life you live will not work. You need to get saved. Preaching the good news, that Yeshua died for your sin and rose from the dead and gave us his spirit, his Ruach HaKodesh, his Holy Spirit, so we can live the life he wants us to live. The gospel, as Paul said, is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. He's the only righteousness, is God's righteousness, and as Paul said, it is nothing to be ashamed of. So it's not that we're not supposed to be involved in the politics. We just need to remember that we could do it all right and people are still going to hell. So the real answer is, first, people need to get saved. Father, we come to you in Yeshua's name and ask that you pour out your spirit in repentance. That judgment starts in the house of God. And I just ask that you speak to our heart if there's any wicked way in us, speak to our hearts. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation and help us as we meet people to see them that don't know you as lost and desperately need you, Father. They need to be saved from this wicked generation. Help us, as you said, In scripture, to endure to the end. In Yeshua's name, amen.